0: Hey everyone, welcome to The Survival Show Podcast, Gear Cave Edition. I'm David, the founder of Ultimate Survival Tips, and your host for today's show. Today, my good friend Ben Peterson and I are gonna talk about everything pocket knives. You may know Ben from his YouTube fame at Blade HQ, but not only is he a great guy that looks good and sounds good on camera, Ben knows stuff, and a lot of stuff about his passion pocket knives. So in this podcast, Ben and I are going to discuss the three P's of the pocket triangle and how it can help you find your perfect pocket knife. Then we're going to discuss the most important performance characteristics you need to consider when buying a pocket knife and the constant tug between performance and price and how you, even if you're a cheapskate, can find your perfect pocket knife that will send you into blade bliss in the $10 to $25 price range. And before we're all done, Ben and I will share with you our everyday carry pocket knives. Ben will give you his list of top five pocket knives you need to consider first the next time you go hunting for a pocket knife, and a lot more. But before we get into all this very important content, let me ask you a question. If things went really bad and someone you love suddenly required emergency medical care right in front of you and emergency medical services were delayed or not coming at all, would you know what to do to save your loved one's life? Or if you were alone and had a traumatic accident or medical emergency, could you save your own life? Well, if your answer to either one of these questions is no, maybe, or it depends, let's get this fixed right now. First and foremost, get some training in basic first aid and how to stop life-threatening bleeding. Next, go grab yourself some tiny first aid guides at Ultimate Survival Tips or on Amazon. The tiny first aid guide is Amazon's new number one choice for first aid guides. It fits in your wallet for everyday carry all the time and includes 51 detailed color illustrations, 101 life-saving first aid skills, 167 expert tips, 24 bonus online training resources, 10 deadly mistakes you must avoid when providing first aid, 5 mental tips to conquer any crisis, 4 pillars of readiness, 19 tactics first responders use, and a lot more including how to manage a mass casualty incident and how to set up a helicopter landing zone for transporting somebody to the hospital. So when the power is out, your phone fails, help is not coming, or disaster strikes and you're on your own, Tiny First Aid Guide is there. So you can go pick up yours at ultimatesurvivaltips.com and over on Amazon. All right, let's get into today's show. Mr. Ben Peterson. It's great to finally have you on the survival show podcast Gear Cave, brother. We've known each other for a long time now, haven't we
1: yeah we're we're probably on like ten years, David. It's been a good spell
0: <laughs> it has I'm not going to do any spoilers. I'll let you uh share your backstory in a moment here but my first my first meeting with you was at a at a major uh knife gear brand that I had been going into their booth for several years and nobody ever approached me. And I went in, I think it was maybe my third year at SHOT Show or something. I went into the booth. You came over smiling, said, Hey, I'm Ben. What can I do for you? <laughs> and uh, that that was the beginning of our friendship right there. I mean, I it was, was, yeah. Yeah. So for folks that don't really know your large volume of work, especially in this uh, knife area, and I think you would probably agree, uh, specifically even uh, more focused on pocket knives. Can you give us a bit of your backstory? I mean, you can go back as far as you want because, like, you have sort of, kind of, like, had an interesting life, and uh, just bring us up uh, through what you're doing now and into this uh, topic of pocket knives.
1: Yeah, totally. Let's let's kind of start on the the professional side. Wait, wait, so wait, I, wait, wait. But wait. Before, oh, 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 yeah, you told me I
0: before I you start. Can you give yeah. us your tag? So some people went some of you guys out there, when you hear this, you're going to know right who this guy is that that's
1: going to take us through pocket knives today. Okay, so, so my tagline goes like this, guys. It goes, what is up, guys? Awesome. That's how it goes. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, so just for me, maybe <laughs> I'm sure there are listeners that are like, what, what is going on here let me let me give some backstory so um oh, yeah. that was that was my tagline on YouTube when I worked at a company called blade h q and uh, I was their marketing manager for a few years, and we started this youtube channel and and that was kind of how I started all the videos, and uh, that's kind of morphed into not just my tagline but i throw it on my knives and things like that i design knives now but let's let's go back to like the beginning of knifedom for me i um i studied broadcast journalism and film in school and graduated with with a degree in it and i was like i thought i'd make documentary films for a living and that's actually an oxymoron you don't you don't do that you don't you can't make a living doing documentaries um some people can. For me, it was like a losing proposition with a family and everything. And I was like, you know, how do I transition this into something that would work for me? And I ended up um, realizing YouTube was YouTube was a huge um, opportunity at the time. This was back in 2011. Mm-hmm. And so I approached this company, Blade HQ, and said, hey, could I do a trial run with YouTube videos with you guys? and they were like sure let's let's do it and so i started making videos about pocket knives and i I do have a long history with knives but i never like knew there was an industry there and so like i grew up in uh here in utah Uh, so i was in the boy scouts i probably got my first knife when i was six or seven my dad kept it in a in a drawer a high drawer where you couldn't get it Mm -hmm. um had a victorinox a swiss army knife but I, I guess I never really internalized, like there are people making a living selling pocket knives. And so I started at Blade HQ and this, it, it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks, like, wow, like you can actually make money doing this this in this fun industry. And so I stayed at Blade HQ for about three years on the first run. And then uh, I actually went up to Oregon to Columbia River Knife and Tool, CRKT, and that's where David and I met. I was I was working the booth. Can can I say this on a family friendly show? I was a booth babe. That's what I was. <laughs> <laughs> Just teasing. I know. I, I was basically a, a hired hand in the booth as as an employee. And um, anyway, so I I worked at the CRKT booth, and that's where David and I met. And uh, we yeah, I I think probably three years you came and we we chatted knives at the CRKT booth, and then. I actually went back to Blade HQ. They recruited me back as their manager, marketing manager, and and that's kind of where I, I don't want to say, um, got famous. That sounds like a weird way to say it, but uh, that's where people started recognizing me from YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, where we started making got famous. That sounds really uh, big headed, <laughs> dude. I've I've hung out with you, and you know we have a fairly
0: sizable YouTube channel. And I would I would say the larger volume of people knew who you were than they did who I was. So I would I would put you in the famous category.
1: Yeah. Do, you, do you know what's funny about that though? I, I use the word famous, and that sounds like such a a big deal. It's to me, it's not. It's like I don't walk down the street and people recognize me on a regular basis. It's right. so yeah. niche famous. It's niche. Um,
0: it is niche. It's like which, the show. which to me is my
1: favorite because the knife industry is a niche. Mm-hmm. And if somebody recognizes you, it's like, bring it in. Let's, let's hug. Cause like they've been somewhere with you, you know, versus like a movie star. If you watched Matt Damon, like, yeah, you might feel close to him, but you have zero connection. But like when a right. knife guy walks up to me and they're like, you're Ben, I'm like, man, bring it in what you got in your pocket, you know? And that's, that's <laughs> why I love the knife industry. Cause it's super fun and it's super, yeah. it's familial. Like people yep. know each other and they know the knives and, it's just instant conversation. So yep. well, before you continue on
0: with your backstory, just a little a little note here on your, you know, just your I think your intuitive nature of film and and marketing and uh, just communicating with people. I just want to let people know that you advised and helped me uh several many times over the years and including some very significant help shooting. Actu actually, actually you shot some video footage for the original msk1 knife uh youtube video and you helped me a script development and uh, you know a lot of times through that whole process pre-kickstarter you you just helped and advised and and uh i mean you were you were a significant part of our ability to succeed in that kickstarter project so uh Thanks. thank you thank you uh for all that and uh, yeah. yeah, can so, I, can I
1: tell you a quick funny story there? Just yeah, a, just sure. a quick one. Yeah, yeah. So you and I were working on that like my last month at CRKT because I was I was going to leave Oregon and move back to Utah. Oh, right, yeah. And so the moral dilemma I had is like can I use CRKT's equipment one last time for this project that is like potentially a <sighs> competitive project? I use CRKT's equipment. <laughs> okay, okay. Can you believe, yeah. can you believe that? <laughs> What a jerk I am. You know, that project.
0: So. it speaks to your character that you, you even like considered that because a lot of people would be like, oh yeah, sure.
1: <laughs> anyway, oh, uh, go yeah. ahead
0: with your backstory. Yeah. This is yeah. So
1: I, I ended up leaving Blade HQ after about three and a half years as their marketing manager. And part of the reason I left was I wanted to stay in, I wanted to keep growing in knives, but I realized like I couldn't, uh, I couldn't grow where I was at. You know, it's, mm-hmm. if you're growing plants. You put them in a pot, they start to grow, and then you got to move them to a bigger pot once they once they outgrow the pot. And I felt like I had kind of outgrown my pot uh, there. Like I wanted to design things and create things, and um, I, I just didn't see where my future was there. So I ended up jumping, and I created my own little company on the side. It's called nafs.com, K-N-A-F-S. And I designed knives there. I designed posters and mouse pads and sharpening tools and things like that. But basically, it's my own thing. And and that to me has been super fun because I knew that if I if I was going to stay in knives, I had to stay in it on my own terms. And so it's been really fun. I, I've designed a couple knives for Wii, uh, Wii knives out of uh, Yangjiang, China. I've designed, I've got a couple other projects in the works that are exciting. But uh, yeah, for me, this has just been like this journey of like professional, where do I want to take this and how do I want to take it there? And and that's kind of, it's it's super fun. I enjoy it. So yeah, 10, 10, what are we at? 10 years in knives, 11 years now.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really cool. And uh, you are, you're, I would say you've been a serial entrepreneur. I mean, you've worked for several companies that you've mentioned already, and you really innovated. What I saw is you really innovated for them. Uh, That's sort of kind of like my backstory. I'm not going to get into, but um, I worked with some companies that really trusted me before I ever considered doing ultimate survival tips and YouTube videos and designing gear. I did that for other people. So, you know, I think you, you've been a serial serial entrepreneur and now it's really exciting to, uh, you know, just see all the creative stuff that you're creative and unique stuff that you're coming out with, uh, with NAFs. And uh, you know, we were created to create. So I'm glad that you're at a point where, you can really express that freely and not have conflicts of interest with other, with the companies you're working for and all that sort of stuff. So that's great. And you, you have the business right out of your home. Is
1: that correct? Yeah. We, we run it in the basement in the garage. So yeah, it's, uh, and it's, it's a very small business, but it's also, it's the sort of thing where I feel like I've spent the last three years, like putting the ball on the tee, and now I'm like winding up to like, just take a swing at it, which is exciting. Um, but it's, for me, it's always been like, I have four kids and so family comes first. And so I, I work in corporate America for my day job. And for me, it's a matter of like, how do we do this responsibly? You know, I, I think the, the filmmaker in me is like, yeah, let's make documentary films. Let's, let's travel the world and do that. And, but the reality is like, I think that there's more purpose to life when you, when you bring other people along and, and when you I don't know, teach people what you're doing and and how you're doing it. And so for me, it's, it's been a matter of like, I I think some people probably would have jumped to full time on their business a long time ago and just kind of taken that risk, but I kind of have responsibilities and I want to make sure that we, we do things in a way that is sustainable, sort of that sustainability Mm -hmm. idea. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but it's, um, it's been exciting. It's, it's, to me, there's nothing quite like getting a prototype in the mail and, mm-hmm. and right. holding it in your hand. I mean, you've been there, David, you, you know what that feels like, but it's, it's invigorating. I mean, I got one last week and I, nobody was home. I, I skipped around the house just by myself. <laughs>
0: yeah. We have, we have a uh, still super secret new knife that plays off of uh, uh, yeah. Plays off of the MSK one and the, and uh, the Japanese Klai and uh kind of like your your mora type uh puka knife but i had tops tops did a proto it was absolutely perfect the first one was perfect and i think i hooted and hollered and walked around and showed the guys and and did a little happy dance so i know what you you mean yeah you got it you got to celebrate those wins right you do yeah yeah and you bring up a really good point, and I know we're gonna we're gonna get into pocket knives here, um, but also we like to bring some like deeper important content to folks too when we have the opportunity. And with you, we we just have that opportunity because you are, uh, you're a great dude. Uh, so, um, you know, it's really important to kind of surf those seasons and chapters of your life. I know you and I have had personal conversations about this you know, several times I'm in a different chapter of my life. I've got two grown adult children. So I can, I kind of can go at a different pace and my risk tolerance is a little bit, a little bit different than yours, but I, I think you've been just really wise in how you've nurtured your, your startup. And uh, you know, I, I honor you for that.
1: Great job. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's hard because uh, my, my brain runs at a million miles an hour and it's like, <laughs> Man, what if we did this, this and this and then and then you end up like, "Oh dang, I gotta focus, I gotta really like mm-hmm. I, I mean it's I, I've learned a ton about business and supply chain and mm-hmm. just operations and logistics i I think and you said kind of this intuitive marketing sense, and i I do, but um, man, if you hit that marketing gas and you don't have the operations in place, you lose and it's it's for me, it's been really interesting to kind of learn that um piece by piece like. I, I think if I just stayed in that comfort zone of marketing, I'd do fine. But like to me, it's it's like how do you how do you build on what you know and grow from there? And for, so for me, it's like okay, marketing is uniquely tied to supply chain. It's uniquely like you can't sell a pocket knife you don't have. Uh, unless you're kickstarting, but even then you got to deliver. Right. And so what's, what is your supply chain? So for me, it's been, it's just been a wild adventure to figure all the pieces and parts out and man, I've made some mistakes and, and those are good. Those are, that's how you learn. You you pay for it, you know? So I love it.
0: Well, this is a really good kind of banter backstory that I, I believe is helping some people even like, you know, consider doing their own thing. So thank you. Thank you for sharing all that. So how about we get into some pocket knives now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's what we're here for.
0: Yeah. So my first question to you is why pocket knives?
1: It's a good question. Um, A lot of people, so I I think there's a lot of different reasons people carry a pocket knife. A lot of people collect them. Um, Obviously at the end of the day, it's a cutting tool to me, a knife is through and through a tool. And so I I use, I mean, when I'm doing video projects around the house or, or wherever I use the back of the, the spine of the blade to, mm-hmm. as a, as a screwdriver to screw on tripod mounts. And so for me, it's first and foremost is a tool open Amazon boxes or whatever, you know? Um, but then you get into collection, you get into um, people that are using them for work. Uh, if you're in the military or police or a farmer, or whatever, like that is a very useful tool to have on your person. And could you, could you uh, go find one in the garage? Sure. But for me, I, I see there's an efficiency gain by carrying a small tool in my pocket. So for me, first and foremost, why knives? It's a tool and it's a fun tool. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, why pocket knife versus like a fixed knife or maybe a neck knife or something like that for you?
1: So neck knives, I don't like things around my neck. It's like scratchy. I don't wear necklaces. That's just I, I don't. It kind of makes me claustrophobic. But um, a fixed blade knife doesn't. I mean, I live in in the suburbs. Um, I don't live out in the country. I think if I lived in the country, I would I'd probably carry a fixed blade. But um, a folding knife, a pocket knife integrates well into society. I've I've worked in offices my entire career. Really good point. And yeah, I, like if you're carrying a fixed blade on your hip it's it's a little bit aggressive uh in in modern society and i you can argue if that's a good thing or a bad thing i it doesn't matter that's what it is. that's what it is and right. yeah, so for me, I've always kind of carried knives that are kind of quiet um not huge i I like a knife under three inches um and there are knives that look really aggressive and tactical or or scary. those are not really my style i'm i i think for me, I like to um, kind of be low key with what I carry and, and how I carry it. But yeah, ultimately, I think it comes down to you can get a lot more knife quietly in your pocket if it's a pocket knife versus a fixed blade.
0: That's good. Yep. So we've got some considerations, like let's just start at the beginning. What are our major considerations? Maybe talk us through uh what we ought to be looking at when we're looking for our perfect pocket knife.
1: Oh man. Okay. Let's, let's start on perfect because the reality is once you, <laughs> once you find the perfect one, you'll be like, but wait, this little thing, It. I want this different. So here's, here's kind of how I broke it down, David. I, I, yeah, okay. I turned it into a, a triangle. <clears throat> so you've got price performance, Or purpose, take your pick. I I think performance and purpose are kind of in the same category. So price, performance, and pleasure. And I don't think you're looking for like a perfect triangle here, but what you have to understand is that each of those is tied into each other. So like if you're gonna pay a thousand dollars for a knife, well, maybe you get a lot of pleasure out of that. Like me paying a thousand dollars for a knife, I would be very sad. There would be no pleasure in that, even if the performance is is perfect. Um so I think it comes down to how much are you willing to pay for it? what's its purpose? how does it perform? and what is it, what's the pleasure factor because ultimately like it is a tool, but I I've got literally within arm's length, I've got about a hundred knives. Do I need that? No, but is it fun? Sure, yeah, it is. and I think for a lot of people collecting and and having them and understanding them is is a hobby and it's a pleasure um, so even if it's a tool if like if it's um if you're using it, it gives you hot spots on your hands or blisters. There's no pleasure in that either. So, mm-hmm. price, performance, pleasure. Those are my kind of three uh, triangle points of what you're looking for when you go to buy a knife.
0: That's really good. I just actually sketched that out as a triangle and I put perfect question mark kind of in the center of that triangle because Ooh, I, I, like I feel it. like what you're saying is um, really, it depends. It really depends. It depends on, uh, several factors. So why don't, why don't we break those down? So you had mentioned price. Let's break that down a little bit more.
1: Yeah. So, so first and foremost price, when, when I go to buy something like I, I have to think about what is this going to cost me? Um, we all do. Right. And you can put it on a credit card if you want. I, I don't recommend it, but ultimately <clears throat> you've got to stay within your range. And so, are you going to go out and buy a $150 knife or are you going to buy a $13 one on Amazon? You're going to buy a $50 knife, whatever. So it's really interesting because I've seen different, um, I I guess different schools of thought here. So like the best selling knife on Amazon is like 13 bucks and it's like, it's like got five stars. People love that thing. And you, you look at it. Well, I look at it as somebody who has worked in this space and I look at it and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, why do people like that thing? Like, it's, it's cheap and the blade centering's off and the steel is crummy and it doesn't, like, doesn't right. lock up well. All these things. Hmm. But for the majority of people, they can probably buy that $13 knife and it's going to do everything they need it to do. And they're going to give it five stars, which is great. I don't have anything against that. But um, there are other people. Like the best-selling knife at Blade HQ is a, a Boker Kalashnikov. It's a little automatic knife. It's fifty bucks. People love it. Like the price is, is what they're looking for in that particular knife. The steel is okay. Um, it snaps open nicely. It's a fun little knife, and I think for fifty bucks, it's a great value. Um, so ultimately, that's like you have to buy what's in your price range. Uh, what's what's your tolerance? I, I think it's the same thing with any consumer product. If you're buying a car. Uh, are you going to buy a $20,000 used Corolla? Or are you going to go buy a, I don't know, an F-150 for 80 grand. That's all souped up and tricked out. I don't know. What's, what's your tolerance. So I, I think price is, is the ultimate uh, first step in buying a knife because you're not going to get to performance and additional pleasure from the thing unless it's in your price range. So. That's a really good point. And like, even the, the, you and I would look
0: at that. I, I've tested some of those knives. I, we would look at that crummy 13, what we would call crummy $13 knife, but people will use that. They'll abuse it. They'll go and cut roots and, you know, and then they'll sharpen it again and sharpen it again. And, you know, eventually it won't be serviceable, serviceable, but for, they'll be like, Hey, for 13 bucks, I'll just go buy another one or I'll, maybe I'll step up. Maybe I'll get that next $26 knife. And, uh, You know, I like this this whole thing of like your price aligns with your pleasure in many cases and uh, that really good points. Anything else to say on price?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the thing to realize too is there's a a price bracket for everybody. You know, there's the $13 knife on Amazon. You could probably find a $2 knife at a gas station Uh, or you could buy a a $20,000 gold inlaid custom with uh, engraving by Bruce Shaw out a California, like there's such a, there's such a range. And I I guess for me, it's, it's sort of like, man, it's this buffet and there's something for everybody. And I I love that about it. Like there's, it's not like you have to buy the $20,000 knife. You can buy the $20 knife and, and you might get a ton of performance and pleasure out of it. And you may never upgrade to a 50 or a hundred dollar knife. Yep. Uh but that to me is is part of the joy of of this particular industry is anybody can walk into it and find something that that they enjoy at a price range that is good.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. You just reminded me of of our early YouTube days and I literally I literally couldn't afford knives to review, right? So, I was really blessed that actual actually Jeff Freeman had seen some of my test videos on knives that he designed and he got me hooked up with Gerber and it was literally like for the whole first year of our YouTube channel, everything was Gerber because I, I couldn't afford to buy knives. <laughs> right. Wow. That's <laughs> and, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, our, our channel kind of piggybacked on the whole Bear Grylls craze. So there were some, you know, small, pretty affordable, highly publicized, pocket knives that came out of that era and you know several more. And you know, at that particular time, man, a a twenty-nine dollar knife was, you know, was a bit of an investment for me. A fifty nine yeah. or a hundred dollar knife was was sort of kind of out of the price range. So I totally get it. And you know, and now, you know, our knives, you know, our MSK one, you know, the the economy version the primitive starts at 149 and, you know, I've got one of my preferred pocket knives here, one of Jeff Freeman's knives, beautiful knife made out of S35VN, and, I mean, I think that cost me about $250, so, you know, it's not yeah. like I do that every day. But and it's not like I actually even use Jeff's knife much, but I carry it sometimes because it's just so beautiful, and that gets kind of like into the preference thing, right? <laughs>
1: well, the pleasure—that's the, the you pleasure just, thing. Yeah, I the heard, I, thing. I heard it in your voice, David. Yeah, you, yeah. you, you started to like wax hypothetical, like you, you wax poetic. You're like, it's just so beautiful, yeah. And that's
0: yeah, exactly, yeah.
1: That's but the. I don't, I don't have
0: many knives like that but i was willing to invest in a, over the years a couple of knives like that right but my utility yeah. my utility knives are are ones that i've had around for a long time we'll talk about those a little bit later like what do we actually carry that's great yeah. so why don't we get into performance a little bit here
1: yeah and and really i think performance is probably like the biggest category you you could spend days and days and there there are podcasters out there that literally it's it's like dedicated to the, the percentage of vanadium in the steel and all of these, like you can really get into the metallurgy of, of the steel and the performance, all of these things. For me, I, I guess I look at performance as a little bit higher level. Um, like asking yourself the question of what, what, what do you need this thing to do? Um, so for me, I need it to open packages. I might work in the yard, cut some branches. Um, cutting apples I have got four young kids and so uh, apple duty apple slice duty is is very common and so for me I look at like okay now that you've nailed down price what do you need this thing to do uh, so that's where you start you're looking really at tapping it.
0: into like performance and purpose you're kind of like merging even like blade steel and length and all, all that sort of stuff yes like hey you know what what's my intended use of this tool? Yeah, that's good. Yes, that's good.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, where where are you going to pull this thing out and and use it? And so, um, when you look at like blade length, you got to think about the legalities. So in Chicago, they have a blade length limit that's under two and a half inches. Uh, Boston is the same. New York doesn't allow most um, locking knives, or I think it's knives over three inches. They've got some crazy knife laws out there. Um, so you, you kind of have to take all of these inputs and start creating an output. Um, additionally, like a lot of people, I, I like lightweight knives. There's there's a knife called the Benchmade Bugout that has been incredibly popular over the past five, four or five years now. It's under two ounces, so it kind of disappears in your pocket. But when we talk about that knife, it's, it's a little bit flimsy in the middle. And so people have upgraded it and, and Benchmade's actually come out with another version. That's a little bit um, stronger with a G10. Um, But each of these, these pieces like the, the locking mechanism, do you, do you need it to be left-hand friendly? Do you need it to be one hand open and close? Um, Traditional pocket knives, kind of your, your old timer um, slip joint knives, they don't have a lock on them. And, I think for a lot of people, that's fine. Me, I like a lock because I had a I had a, slipped, I had a, a Swiss Army knife fold on my finger like the first day of scout camp when I was 12. Mm. And I'm like, no, I, I want a lock on that dang thing. I don't want to get cut again. And so those are kind of all the considerations you have to think about when you start diving into the performance of a, a tool. And, and a lot of people never will. They'll buy the $13 knife on Amazon and they'll be happy. But I think there are people that will start at that $13 knife and then they'll start they'll start realizing like, oh, I don't like this. Or a friend will show him a knife and they'll be like, well, why does it have that lock and not this lock? And when once you start asking those questions, it's all downhill. You might as well just walk away. If you start asking like questions about steel, it's a slippery slope and you're going to end up with 100 knives within arm's length. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just you know, like once you start asking questions, it, it really turns into this this amazing world of wow, somebody really thought about this thing. I mean, I've got a Chris Reeve Knives Sebenza sitting on my table here. And it's a work of art. It's a $400 knife that is purpose-driven. It's beautiful. It's timeless. I mean, it's it's been running for 40 years. And do I want to pay $400? No, I never would. It was a gift, right? <laughs> but people do. And and I mean, Chris Reeve Knives can't even keep up with the the production on this. So many people want it. But it is it's kind of this big spectrum of like, what do I need this thing to do? And there's flex involved, you know, people, people get excited about them, but uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely, you look at all of these pieces and parts and you say, what do I need this tool to do? And then you start making decisions.
0: Right. Did you want to run through just any of these kind of like mini sub categories under, under performance?
1: Yeah, for sure. So I uh, kind of touched on blade length. Um, Obviously, you can get a bigger knife. Three and a half inches is a big knife. Under three is kind of my preference. Mm-hmm. Uh, two and a half is a small knife. Uh, there are lock types galore. You can get a like a bar lock, which is a, a Benchmade invention. It's um, it's nice because it's, it's uh, ambidextrous, so you can use it left or right-handed. Uh, you can use a frame lock knife, slip joints. I mean, there's just so many different types to choose from. We talked a little bit about weight, um, different materials weigh more and weigh less. Um, if it's a steel handled knife, uh, it's probably gonna weigh a little bit more than if it's a carbon fiber uh, or if it's a G10. So you have a lot of different opportunities there. Additionally, a lot of people, uh, they wanna know what kind of warranty comes with a knife. So w- how, how is the company gonna support this tool over time so like if you look at leatherman leatherman's got a 25 year warranty crkt has a limited lifetime warranty each company has a warranty and some people take that into consideration as they're as they're buying their knives additionally materials um you can do really fun anodizations if you want to customize your knives with titanium you can turn it blue you can turn it purple copper um, just different colors um and then I think another thing to consider is the type of knife that it is. So like an OTF, let me, let me open up an OTF next to the mic here. That's an OTF. It's an out the front. And basically it's like a lightsaber that flies out the front of the knife. Um, really fun. They're great fidget toys. Uh, great for using their easy one-handed opening, but man, if you're spreading peanut butter with these things, it will get jammed. The springs will jam. It will be, it will break on you. Right. So all of these pieces play into how am I going to spend my hard earned money for something that uh, performs the way I need it to. Additionally, a thing to think about here is fit and finish. Um, These are the intangibles and and you can get out a, you can get out a pair of calipers and you can measure um, different things. So like blade centering, um, if you buy that $13 Amazon knife, I would bet you $20, and I'm not a betting man, but uh, I'd bet you $20 bucks that the blade centering on that $13 Amazon knife is all over the map. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if the blade actually hits the side of the handle as it goes down. Is that a good thing? Well, if you don't care, it doesn't matter. But to me, that's a bad thing because it, it shows that the tool was sloppily put together. Um, so there's a fit and finish element to these pocket knives of how closely did they manufacture this tool to be a precision instrument? Think of it like the alignment in your vehicle. Can you drive your car if your car if your tires are out of alignment? You you absolutely can. Is it going to wear the tires down and are you going to have to get new tires? Yeah, you are. But I think that's kind of how you th- have to think about it is if your tires are aligned, if your blade centering is, is on par, your tool is going to last longer. Right. Um, so it's, it's all those inputs. And it's, it's funny. Cause I could sit here and I mean, we, we could literally talk for an hour about thumb studs on pocket knives. Right. Or, yeah. It's, but it's, it's like, you have to, you have to make your call about what do you want?
0: And it's really interesting too, because a couple of things I'm picking up as you talk is that the knife industry is actually a community. It's, it's like, if you're with a bunch of guys and you're like, Hey, what do you, What are you pocket carrying? You know, it wouldn't be an uncommon question for the group of guys, you know, I run with. And, you know, then you get a group of guys where, you know, four or five out of, you know, 10 guys, they've got pocket knives and instantly you're kind of like in a community. You're comparing, you're like, oh, I like that. Oh, what's that? You know, which is interesting. Two, the other thing that that I'm kind of like hearing in between the lines here is, when you just start getting into knives and pocket knives in particular, that person who's buying the $13 blade, they may not know anything about alignment. They don't even know how like a good pocket knife or a good knife is supposed to be built or centered or that one steals uh, better than another. And I was in that exact same thing twenty, twenty-five years ago when I started learning about knives and steel and... And pocket knives and fit and finish, and started designing my own gear. Um, so, if I, because even the, what you've said already, I'm guessing some people are out there and saying, I never even knew about blade centering. You know what I mean? So, we've got some minds exploding. And, you know, <laughs> some of this terminology or some of these things aren't familiar with you, you're in the right place. And two, it just know that, that um, you alluded to it. Um, Karen, Karen often says that she's a knife wife. So like it, it kind of not that it becomes an obsession, but it's just a part of, it can become part of like just your, your even daily culture. I mean, all of us probably use knives every day, whether it's a kitchen knife or a pocket knife or a, a like a Leatherman, a Leatherman tool or whatever. So, um, you know, between, yeah. between the lines, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm hearing from you and folks that are maybe even just getting started down this road. Hey, that's, that's kind of like where we all began this journey.
1: Yeah. It's, it's interesting it, just to give it a kind of a, a less niche comparison. So I, I drive a Toyota Tacoma, nice little truck. Uh, I, I use it as a truck. I don't soup it out or anything, but I mean, you get online and they're, Tacoma clubs and taco clubs, and oh, right. everybody loves their Tacomas. You get on Instagram; there's communities and, and people talking about tires and rims and accessories and rooftop tents and all this stuff. And and I think a lot of people within knives are just driving their Tacoma, you know, and that's okay. Like that's right. it's right. totally useful, you know. You're using your kitchen knife. You might have a pocket knife in the garage or whatever, and there's no shame in that. I I, I actually look at that as as a marketing guy, that's fertile ground, you know, somebody who understands like, oh, this is what it is. But then you got your Tacoma Club. And and that's kind of what the knife industry is, is this big Tacoma Club of, of knife people who have gotten deep into a hobby. I mean, some people start making them in their garage, selling them. And it's just, it's one thing I love about the community is it's very open. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very, uh, you can, you can ask questions, uh, especially for new people. I feel like you say, hey, I'm new to this. And people will just like bring it in, like just it's it's a very uh, warm embrace, especially if you don't come off as as somebody who knows everything. And 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 even for me, I've been in this eleven years. I don't know everything. It's it's fun to learn. There are people who are uh, there's a there's a guy named um, Laren Thomas. He does uh, he runs Nerds dot com he he loves knife steel. He's a metallurgist and wow. he does these tests and, and gets the microscopes involved and, and all this stuff. And it's, it's beautiful. I, I think it's amazing. And then my eyes glaze over. Cause I'm like, I just, I kind of think they're fun to design and, and do that, but there's, there's pockets and there's niches of niches of niches within this stuff. And, but the, the, ultimately people are excited about them. And, and, and I think that's kind of where the pleasure aspect of this whole thing comes in is like, you don't need even two pocket knives. So, so why do people have hundreds or 50 or whatever? It's because they're, they're trying things. They're, they're engaging with it. They're buying, they're selling They're they're arguing in forums. You know, it's, it's a very lively um, hobby to be a part of. And, and that to me is really fun. And I, I think there's a lot of, there's a flex factor, especially on Instagram. If you get on Instagram and search up like, Hashtag knife life or hashtag knives. You'll see these these flexes where like somebody will have like five of a a limited edition knife. It's it's almost like if you're familiar with the sneaker community, the sneaker community will will collect uh, the same type of sneakers and different colors and limited releases and things like that. And people just get excited about it. And and that to me is a fun place because it's it's expendable income. They're not they're not spending tens of millions of dollars. It's something that you can get into. And start collecting twenty dollar pocket knives, and get a lot of pleasure out of it. Um, not advocating it, I like, I do whatever you want with your time and money. But there's a community around this in a way that is very accessible.
0: That's really good. That's really good. And so, Ben, hey, you want to talk about just you know this whole triangle thing being balanced?
1: Yeah, and, and like I said at the beginning, I don't know if it is balanced because you might you might get a ton of pleasure out of a, a $12 knife. No shame in that. Right, right. Um, but I, I think it's more this understanding that a triangle does exist. Uh, chances are if you pay more for a pocket knife, you're going to get more performance out of it. Does that give you more pleasure? I don't know. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. But if if you're buying a a, a knife in maximum at steel, that's kind of the the um, latest steel that everybody's really hyped on. It's going to be more expensive, but you're going to get more performance out of it. Uh, but does that give you more pleasure? Does that really give you more endorphins in your brain? You know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. So I, I think for me, it's more it's it's less about <clears throat> having like a perfectly balanced triangle. And more about understanding that the triangle does exist. If you pay a lower price, chances are you're going to have poorer performance. If you pay a higher price with diminishing returns, you're you're going to have higher performance. But for me, when I pay more for something, a lot of times it takes away the pleasure of the thing. Uh, and, and that's just me being a cheap sucker probably. But like <laughs> if I paid, like I do this with food. If we go out to eat, it's like... Anything over about twenty bucks on the menu, I'm like, this is this is just not going to be okay. It'll be fine. Like, yeah, more than twenty dollars a plate for the whole per person per meal. It's like it's just going to be okay. It'll be fine. But (laughs) I'm not a foodie enough to be able to say like, yes, that encrusted chicken vinaigrette was per like I can't even speak the language. Right? Like, there's diminishing returns for people when they pay more for something. Uh, and, and diminishing emotional returns too. And so I think for me, it's just a matter of finding what is, what is your tolerance? What are you looking for? What does it need to do? And then saying, okay, let's, let's pay for it. And the, the cool thing about knives too, is if you end up buying something, you do, it doesn't have the performance. It doesn't have the pleasure. You sell it, you get rid of it, you give it away. All right. Or you, you lose it in a, in a stream when you're hiking. Like there it's, it's like, this is not on the same scale as a Tacoma because you didn't spend thousands of dollars on it. You can kind of go back to the well and and choose a different type of water. You know, it's like, and I think that's why a lot of people enjoy the hobby of it is for a small price, you can start us start to understand the hobby. You can buy a sharpener, you can maintain your own tools. You can start to customize your knives. And and there's a group of people that are gonna be interested in going down that road with you. And yeah, it's like, there, there are people, there's a, there's a group on Facebook called the uh, Spiderco Paramilitary 2 Club. Uh, Spidey, Spidey PM 2 Club, I think is the official name. They just collect a certain model of Spyderco knife, the Paramilitary 2. And like, there are people with these Pelican cases full of, they, they probably have $20,000 of paramilitary twos and that's what they like to do. That's how they spend their, their free time and their money and they customize and they get the next drop and they're, they're all in it. For me, I'm, I'm not much of a hunter, a, a collection hunter, but everybody has their different way of, of enjoying it. And, and most people are just like, I just need a pocket knife in my pocket. Or, I mean, you look at like, one of the things that blows my mind, like utility knives, you, you mentioned utility knives. Mm-hmm. Uh, like every single person doing construction is carrying like a Milwaukee utility knife or a Husky utility knife. Like they don't even have a use for a a two hundred dollar paramilitary tube from Spyderco with the latest and greatest steel. Like they just need a tool to cut shingles, you know, right. or whatever. Right, right, exactly. Yep. And and I think. That's where the performance comes in. They're gonna pay eight bucks for that Husky uh, utility knife at Home Depot, and they're gonna be just thrilled about it, you know. So everybody's kind of got their thing, and uh, but ultimately, it's it's a tool. You've got to you've got to take that into consideration. If the performance is cutting shingles and you're gonna burn through blades, no, you don't want a two hundred dollar knife. You want a utility blade that can get the job done. Yeah, you made
0: me, you reminded me of a kind of like an XY graph that I saw years ago when it came to purchasing video cameras. And the graph basically goes like this, like there's, there's really, we'll just say any product that could be any product, it could be a video camera, could be a knife, could be a car. There's a certain point where like, you know, you, you get a, a cheaper product that's not really, really doesn't have the baseline performance that you need for the job so so maybe you step up, maybe you double double your budget there's a certain point where the price exceeds your performance gains so yep. you know you you might pay you know three hundred percent more you may you may be paying you know two hundred three hundred four hundred dollars for a knife, but the performance gains, if that is what your primary objective is 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 it being some sort of a utility knife your performance gains are are not going to keep up with the excessive price that you're paying however if you just like that knife and your wife sent you to blade show and you've got five hundred dollars burning a hole in your pocket hey have at it you know i've like i said earlier i've got a couple of knives that i've I've really spent way more than I've ever spent on a knife before. And it's not even necessarily the performance. I just like
1: that knife. and I don't know how you explain that to somebody that does it. That's not in it, you know, like, right, right. Yeah. It's, it's sort of like, I, I enjoy backpacking and you've got these people that will, will just like go down to like the ounce of, How much does it weigh? And I mean, literally, they're going to pay 100% more for an item that is lighter. And is their performance? Yeah, I mean, ounces equal pounds, pounds equal pain. But also, it's like, I I think there's a a hobby factor for these ultralight backpackers that are like, hey, I, I realize this might be a little insane. But I wanna shave ounces off, you know, and and, and so I bought this Cuban fiber um pop up tent that connects to my carbon fiber uh trekking poles and they're thrilled about it, you know, and they they'll hit other people on the trails and they'll they'll talk, you know, and what what you carrying, what you got, you know? And that's that's the fun of it. I, I think when you when you look at it as just a utility tool with pocket knives, you miss out on the fun of it, and that's okay. Like I I think all these contractors using utility knives, more power to you. You're getting the job done and that's fun. But uh there's a there's an element of, hey, what have you got? What are you collecting? What are you following? Who's who's up and coming? Why are they up and coming? What's interesting about it? And to me, I, I get a kick out of that. And it's it's the dumbest thing. Like I, I have this knife, the banter, and one of the one of the things I love to do with it is I, I found this guy out in Nashville who can print anything you want on the side of the scale and it won't come off. It's this, this right. laser printing process. It's beautiful. So I've been throwing like kitties on the side of my pocket knives, like these space kitties and people buy them. And I, my wife bet me, she bet me lunch, uh, when the first set of scales <laughs> went live with these kitties. Cause it's like an astronaut kitty next to the space shuttle and walking on the moon and it's like totally absurd and ridiculous. And they sold out in like two hours. My wife's like, you gotta be kidding me. Who are these people? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like this is fun. Like there, and I think it's just, you don't have to take it super seriously. It's right. not, I always tell people it's not heart surgery, right? We're not going yeah. to conferences yeah. about pocket knives that are like, here are the latest and greatest methodologies to save a patient on the operating table. It's not. Uh, it's very much hobby driven, but also very purposeful tool. And I, I get a kick out of that, man. It's, yeah. it's goofy. That's really good. Okay. So here's
0: one of your surprise questions. Oh boy. Uh, and I, and I think our listeners would be really interested to hear what you would say here. Can you share with us just right off the top of your head, uh, maybe f- five to 10 pocket knives? that you think people should consider based off of their, their value and performance and
1: usefulness. Yeah, for sure. Let's, let's do this. Uh, I'm I'm just going to go off the top of my head. One of the most popular knives of all time, of all time is a Ken Onion Leek. Uh, great knife from Kershaw. It's spring assisted. So it opens first time, every time. Great little flat Knife, not super expensive. I think you can pick them up for about fifty bucks. Great knife. Um, if you wanted to go, so my my like personal preferences sort of start at that fifty dollar range. But let me let me see if we can. Okay, here's here's the one you want. If you're a cheap sucker that wants warranty and a quality and a little bit of quality, get a CRKT Drifter. Uh, great little knife. It's it's uh, no frills. Not super exciting, but it is like 25, 30 bucks. Another one is a CRKT Squid. Um, great little knife. I think you can pick it up for like 20 bucks. It's a smaller blade. I think it's about 2.6 inches. Um, and those, like in the budget category, those are some of the very, very best you can get. Uh, if you want to start moving up the price range, the CRKT Ele- or, uh, excuse me, Civivi Elementum, also extremely popular knife. Uh, it's got a flipper. You can buy it on Amazon for, I think, 54 bucks, um, three inch blade, solid, solid knife. And then as you move up the price range, where am I at? Was that four? Let me give you two more, uh, Benchmade bug out one of the most popular knives of the last five years. I mentioned it. It's great. Um, I, I know people who have worked in the knife industry for years or that that is their go-to. They love it. And then the other one is, I'm just going to put in a plug in for Spyderco. Any of Spyderco's uh, tried and trued knives uh, are are awesome. You've got the Delica, the Endura, the Paramilitary 2, Chaparral. Like they just do a great job and you won't go wrong with the Spyderco. Was that five? I think my math is off, David. I mean, if you throw in all (laughs) the
0: Spydercos you mentioned, you definitely hit 10. Dang it.
1: (laughs) The Tenacious is also a good Spyderco for cheaper
0: okay nice yeah and uh just not a plug for crkt but i understand their model and i had we actually shot for a couple of years their video footage after actually after you you left they hired us to mm-hmm. uh, shoot some of that it shows but crkt's claim to fame is is how would you put it is taking very very popular custom knives and finding a way to produce them to a a really really nice quality uh, and offering those to the masses for a lot less. Is that Yeah. What, is that accurate?
1: Yep. Yeah, it's a, it's a designer um, knife basically. So you you tap into somebody like Ken Onion who is very accomplished and well known in the knife industry and they give him a design they give he gives CRKT a design. And then they run with it and it's, it's successful because number one, it comes with a name, but number two, you have Ken onions years and years of expertise behind it. Mm -hmm. And so CRKT is able to tap into what works and what doesn't. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a cool model. Okay,
0: Ben, the next question, everybody listening wants to know is what do you actually EDC?
1: If I told you I I'd have to kill you, David, sorry about that. (laughs) No, uh, but what if you tell all of us? What <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going to get, this is going to get bad. Uh, no. So um, I typically am carrying something that I'm working on in one way or another. Okay. So for instance, um, right now, I, I mentioned the prototype that came in. I'm, I'm working on a knife under our brand, the Nafs brand. And so I just got prototypes for that and I'm carrying that to understand how does it work and taking it apart and, just cycle testing it basically by opening and closing it. And so a lot of times what I'm carrying depends on what I'm doing. So I, I designed a bigger knife earlier this year, uh, I guess last year, end of last year. And so I was carrying a whole bunch of big knives. I was carrying a Benchmade 940 and a, a Spyderco paramilitary two and a Kaiser beg lighter. Um, just to understand like how does a big knife fit in the pocket versus a small knife. and so for me it's a little bit like less about the entire triangle i just talked to you about. Mm-hmm. well i guess it's it's like reverse engineering the triangle and saying okay why is this knife popular? like what do people like about it? um and then saying okay if i were to understand what people like about it and reverse engineer that into a new product what would it look like? so that's kind of what i how i carry which is totally non-intuitive to what your normal person is, is thinking about and carrying kind of a weird answer. Hmm.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. As far as what I carry, if you've ever, if you've been listening to this podcast for any time or our YouTube channel, I actually don't normally carry a pocket knife. I may be carrying, depending on the situation, our MSK one, mini neck knife but I always always carry my vintage you've seen it Ben my vintage Leatherman Wave Model 1 and it's not really a pocket knife but it for years and years and years like years I I don't know how old it is maybe maybe 20 years old um it's you know I carry that on my belt but I do have a couple I mentioned the uh the Gerber Propel as a tactical knife because it has the, the uh, Tonto blade and it has serrations and it has, you know, some flat edges, flat blade edges on it. So that can be sort of kind of handy. I almost carry that as a bit of a self-defense tool more than I would like a box cutter. And then I mentioned yeah. uh, Jeff Freeman's knife. Beautiful. Absolutely. See, there I go again. It's absolutely beautiful. I have it right here.
1: You're gushing. I love it. Yeah, it has, you
0: know, it has bearings in it. It's just such a nice flipper. Um, so that, that's what I carry. Um, love it. And and one of the reasons for that that I don't carry a pocket knife. I mean, I do have I ha- do have like a whittling knife. It's a a Victorinox Swiss Army two blade knife. That's a little bit customized for that. Um, but probably the biggest reason that I don't carry pocket knives is that I strategically carry other EDC items that take up my pockets, if that makes mm. sense. Yeah. So like for instance, if I'm if I'm carrying uh my my pocket firearm, it's gonna take up my the pocket that I would normally have a a folder in, right? So yep. um you know for me it, it, it's a little bit of a different situation, although I do love pocket knives. Yes. Yes I do.
1: You you could try back pocket carry, David. So take take oh, your knife and s- I, I don't know where you carry your wallet. I carry my wallet back. I do not right use my. Pocket. I don't
0: use my back pockets. As a matter of fact,
1: so I used to poo-poo on people that carried back pocket because it, it's kind of weird. Um, but I, I've got this pair of pants that we've worn out the the pocket clip area of the front right pocket, and so I've transferred it to the back. And there's I don't I'm sold. I like it. Hmm. It's uh it's a little bit different way to carry, but it keeps it right there and it, it keeps your front pockets kind of out of the road. So
0: so two things before we get out of here, Ben. Uh, one, what are some maybe next steps or action steps for folks that are looking, looking at some pocket knives? How can we simplify everything that we've talked about?
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and this is where it gets tricky because you log on to Amazon, you log on to Blade HQ and you're going to end up with tons and tons of knives uh there are a few guides out there that are really really good um, if you start watching youtube videos we, we did a bunch of videos at blade hq when i was there like best pocket knives under 50 bucks or mm-hmm. under 25 or things like that i think if you start with um, some of these sort of guides it's going to be really helpful to understand just what's out there because if you log on amazon and you look for pocket knife you're gonna get 25 results on the first page and 10 of those are sponsored and the other ones have the reviews that are manipulated and you, you may not be getting something you actually like, right? right? And so I would say start with somebody that can explain it to you. Nick Shabazz is a great YouTuber who talks exclusively about pocket knives, Metal Complex, uh, also another good YouTube channel to check out. And yeah, you basically dig in and start understanding what exists and then start deciding what you're going to buy according to price performance. And, and uh, what was my other one? Pleasure. Yes. There it is. Yep. Yeah. That's really good. So
0: Ben, you, uh, people may not know this, but you've had a successful Kickstarter. Uh, yeah. You've got, as far as I know, you only have maybe two knives, but maybe you have more than two knives. I'm actually using your NAFs. You have this beautiful, uh, knife blade and maintenance, uh, maintenance mat that I actually use for a large mouse pad and you've got several other tools. I, I'm just interested to hear what you can share about your knives, why you designed them and, uh, what type of person they would be for. And just like briefly on your other tools.
1: Yeah. So I, I'm a terrible self-promoter, um, it's it's because I I like to make things, but I'm I'm like, oh, if I promote this then I'm I'm shilling for myself. But here's here's my knife design philosophy. I've did it. my first knife was called the banter. Um it's a Wii design. You can buy it on Amazon, Blade HQ, Knife Center, wherever you want to buy it. Um but my design philosophy is like I can sit here and, and drone on about pocket knives for days and I've carried literally thousands of knives, handled thousands of knives, and what i realized is like you talk about the perfect knife david i never found the perfect knife there was always something that that was just just not quite right for me Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and i think that's when you when you're dissatisfied with something or not quite there that's kind of the space where innovation happens and so for me I took pen to paper and just started sketching what would a perfect knife look like for me. It's got to have a deep carry pocket clip and it's got to open well, and it's got to be quiet for the office. Um, and I ended up at the banter. So the banter came out and then um, I realized like, there's an opportunity to uh, shrink it a little bit. So women's pockets are notoriously small. Um, and so I said, why don't we shrink this thing? So it fits in women's pockets. And so, we came out with the baby banter and then uh, and, and maybe this is an announcement we're, we're doing a big banter here. should be by the end of the year, um, nice. which is it's a monster. it's a 3.7 inch blade it. I think it's obscene. Uh, but the people the people wanted it. Um, and so we're doing that too. Um, and then what I realized is I, I like the customization side of it. so this new knife that I'm working on is going to be easily customizable. And that to me is exciting because there's this opportunity to play with something that already exists and kind of shapeshift with it and and have a lot of fun creating your, your, something that's uniquely yours. And so that's what the next knife uh, that I'm working on is uh, it's uh, it'll be fun without giving too much information. We'll, we'll probably kickstart it. Uh, and to me it's it's a i think it's exciting because it's my company name on there where historically i've just done collaborations uh this one is my name the name i came up with uh, on the knife it's my logo it's all of my specs and it's all of my risk Mm -hmm. and that is terrifying and invigorating to me and so for me it's it's very exciting so
0: that is really exciting Um, just, just for people who, again, you know, we were created to create for people that are interested in this sort of stuff and design and have ideas. Um, you mentioned something that Ben actually, producer Ben actually gave me the nod when you said it, the banter you designed for you, because you had looked for the, your perfect pocket knife and you didn't find it. That's exactly what spurred me on with the MSK one multi-scenario knife and, Um, the key here that I heard you saying is design for you. Like if you're going to make something, uh, there's a book, purple cow, like make it so distinctly different and make it for you. Don't be different just to be different, but design it for you really take your time with it, make it work. And I think you're going to find a a niche of people that I think it's pretty special too.
1: Yeah, it's so true. I mean, it, I think you inject a piece of yourself mm-hmm. into the thing and it makes it easier to sell too. I mean, if you can explain Story. why the, yeah, why the jimping on your knife, jimping is the texturing on the spine of the blade. Why is the jimping like it is? Or why is the handle shaped like it is? Um What about the pocket clip? This pocket clip has recessed pocket clip screws so it doesn't mess up your pocket. Like that's important to me. Mm -hmm. And I think when you can tell that story of like the why, like the design comes together, but then also people can start to understand the why. This pocket knife is designed this way because of this factor. Oh, oh, I've seen my pocket get ripped up to shreds by different pocket knives. I can see why a deep carry pocket clip and the right texturing on the handle is is a good thing, right? You start to sell that story. So, right. I, I think you have to you have to design what people want, but also like I think there's a there's a happy crossroads of where what the people want and what you want uh, can really align. And I think I've seen that with with the banter design. Like people wanted a simple knife they could use in the office. Uh, Europeans love it, uh, which is funny because I think a lot of like the German like Bauhaus movement where it's simple design, less is more. Uh, sort of feeling, mm-hmm. um, folks over there really appreciate the simplicity of, of the designs that I make, uh, Americans do too, but it's, it's sort of this idea of, for me, the, the knife shouldn't scream at you. It should be very quiet. And, uh, that's kind of part of my design philosophy is how do you strip off everything unnecessary and and leave it with the essence. And to me, that's exciting. It's fun.
0: That's great. And another tip for folks that want to create and see if the world you had mentioned, like you want to have something that people want. Uh, how do you find out what people want before you, you know, invest? It'll take you a lot of time to get to this particular point, to have something to really throw, you know, put out to the world and see if they want it. But Kickstarter is a fantastic place to do that. The world will tell you if they want what you've designed.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, there's just so many tools now too, like, go go scrape the amazon reviews you know look what people are saying they'll tell you and i mean it's like if they hate it they'll let you know and and you can read other competitive products reviews and and learn from it and integrate it for me design was designing a knife was all about sitting in front of dashboards for 8 years and knowing oh these are the preferences that people have how do these align with my preferences and you throw it out in the world it's like a Kickstarter. Maybe it fails, maybe it flies, but you you have to create and you have to throw it out there.
0: And risk a little bit. That's great. Ben, this has been a really enlightening conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much for, uh, for, you know, getting with us, come on, coming on out and being on the podcast. Appreciate you. So before we leave out of here, how can people find you, follow you and check out your company?
1: Yeah, for sure. You can find me on Instagram, Ben underscore banters. That's my personal knife account. You can find me at nafs.com and nafs underscore co on all of the social medias. So those are, those are the spots to track me down. You can send me, send the hate mail there. Don't, don't send the hate mail to David. He's got, he (laughs) doesn't. And uh, Ben, I'd love to have you on
0: again sometime. And so if you have any questions for Ben, uh, go ahead and send them our way. I think it's uh survival show podcast at gmail.com or you can just go to ultimate survival tips website and leave us a comment. Just say it's a question for the podcast and uh, maybe we'll get you back sometime. What do you think?
1: I'd love it, man. I, I love talking about this stuff. I think it's fun and I'm grateful to be on David as always. Thank you.
0: All right, Ben. Thank you, brother. Take care. Okay, everyone, before we head out of here, I'd like to ask you to do three things to help us out and help others learn what they need to do now before a disaster strikes. First, please pay it forward by sharing our family-friendly content with the ones you love and on social media. Second, go over to our mothership, UltimateSurvivalTips.com, and check it out. There's lots of free content, videos, and unique gear like our tiny survival and first aid guides and my MSK1 knife. And while you're there, don't forget to click on the podcast tab to get the show notes PDF with links to everything we discussed today. Then please, please, please go give us a five-star rating if you haven't already done so and an honest review wherever you listen to this podcast. And we want to hear from you. So send us an email at survivalshowpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can go to ultimatesurvivaltips.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and leave us a message there. Let us know the topics you want us to cover on this podcast, guests you'd like to hear from, and send us your questions. If we feature your question on the show, we'll give you a shout-out, and I will put your name in the hat for a chance to win an MSK1 knife for Christmas. And don't forget to go grab yourself some tiny first aid guides and discover the essential skills you need to become a medically prepared person ready to save a life and administer first aid in almost any situation. You can get them at UltimateSurvivalTips.com or on Amazon. All right, everybody, I think that's about it. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time on the Survival Show podcast. Until then, keep it simple, be positive,
1: and stay sharp.